So I, I want to redo the Mishnah on Chafhem and Beis. The bottom Mishnah of Chafhem and Beis. I didn't. Uh, I didn't explain it properly. At least I didn't. I went a little too quick. So let me let me just redo it. Uh, the Mishnah is like dealing with this. The Mishnah is dealing with this concept. The concept is that you're not allowed to make pottery in Yerushalayim. It was a gezeira because they were afraid the soot of the pottery would darken the walls of Yerushalayim. So you're not allowed to make pottery in Yerushalayim. Now here's the problem: Kodesh and Kodshim requires a lot of pottery. Because it's a one, it was a one-time use only, right? Because you you, you cook, let's say you cook a, a shlomim right. in a in a you can't purge it, you can't kasher cheres, which means after three days it becomes nicer and becomes treif. So you'd have to they they'd be going well, through pottery so constantly. So it was like a one-time use for a lot. Oh, yeah, exactly, because it's it's bolea carbon, and the problem is after a certain amount of time, once the expiration date for each carbon, each carbon has their own expiration date. Once the expiration date passes, you can't use it anymore, and you can't kasher it. So they were going through a lot of pottery by koydish. So and you couldn't you couldn't make it in Yerushalayim, which means you had to buy it outside Yerushalayim, and the pottery sellers outside of Yerushalayim were not were amaratzim. A lot of them were Amaratsim and they weren't most they weren't mostly Ravonim. So Chazal had to allow Why you make it? Say it again? Say it again. Why couldn't you make it in Chazal Asserd making pottery in Yerushalayim because the soot of making pottery would dark might would darken the walls of Yerushalayim. So Chazal did not allow it. The kiln, yeah, 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 exactly, the kiln. So, so therefore, yeah, so, so basically, Chazal had to allow them to buy pottery from Amaratzim. If the Amaratzim say that it's Tahar, we, 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 we listen to them. By Kodesh specifically, because again, it's because by Kodesh, they were going through it so rapidly. Now, says the Mishnah, where, where were they lenient to buy from Amaratzim pottery sellers? Minomodian Ulufnim, from Modian, the city of Modian inward. They're believed to say that the cheres is tahar. But from Modian outside, it's a, they don't believe. Now, by the way, the Modian itself, the city of Modian, the Gemara is going to deal with. Meaning, Modian inward, okay. Modian outward, not okay. What about Modian itself? That the Gemara is going to deal with. But in order to believe someone in Modian, from Modian inwards, you need three stipulations. This I didn't really get through yesterday. I just wanted to clarify this point. What you need is three things. You need it to be that he sees the pottery seller bring the pottery in. He has to have seen the pottery seller bring it from Modian inward. Number two is it has to be the pottery that he made, meaning that he can't have bought, let's say you're the pottery salesman. It has to be that he actually made the pottery as opposed to he's a, a middleman. A middleman won't work, and he can't have other people sell his pottery. So it has to be pottery that's made by the potter, and he saw the pottery sell, the potter bring it in from outside of Modian. That's the only way it'll work. If the, if the products are brought from outside of Modian, you need those three stipulations. He has to be the one who sells it, he has to be the one who made it, and it has to be that you saw him bring the products inwards. What's the problem with the pottery coming from other places? We don't trust it. Chazal only gave this bubble, this heter from Modian inwards. So if you're going to bring pottery from outside, it has to be that we saw you bring it in, you made it, and you're the seller. Okay, fine. So now here's the Shiloh. From Modian inward is okay. Modian outward, not okay. What about Modian itself, right? There's like the city, right? Outward, no good. Inward, good. Modian itself. So... The Gemara says, Tano Modian, Pa'am Kilifnim, Pa'am Kilichot. Sometimes Modian is okay, sometimes Modian is not okay. Basically, here's the gist. 
I'll tell you outside, then we'll see it inside. Modian itself is only going to be okay if this is the situation. You're the person who's buying the pottery. You're going from outside Modian towards Modian, and he's leaving Modian. So if you don't buy it, basically, Chazal did not want you to buy any pottery in Modian itself. They really were not happy with that. But they were only lenient to buy pottery in Modian if the pottery salesman is leaving and you're going in. So the only time you're passing, passing each other is in Modian. Meaning, he's, let's say, he's, he's a seller, but he's like, I'm going on vacation. He's going on vacation, so he happens to be leaving. You happen to be entering Modian towards Yushalayim, and you pass cross, you cross paths in Modian itself, that's when you could buy. But if you're both leaving, you can't buy, and if you're both entering, you can't buy, because if you're both entering, wait till Yushalayim. If you're both leaving, then it's not a header. It has to be that you're crossing paths where you're entering towards Yushalayim and he's leaving. And the only time to buy is when he's in Modian, then we'll be leaving. Chazal, basically, Chazal were only really happy for Modian inwards. Modian itself, they only were to buy, be lenient if it's the only opportunity for you to buy. No, I'm saying it sounds like a geographic issue versus an issue of Ashkafa. Yeah, no, I, I don't think, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think it was that Chazal wanted to basically put, just they put a boundary. The boundary was Modian. Modian itself, they'll only let you buy if it's the only opportunity. So you're entering Yushalayim and he's leaving. So if you don't buy now... You're going to pass each other. The Gemara says... I was in a problem to buy in Modim anyway. I mean, I get you're not allowed to... Well, because again, you're buying, you're buying pottery from an Amaoretz, which is generally not allowed, but he's saying that it's Tahar, so we're only going to be a lenient in certain boundaries. Chazal were only lenient in certain boundaries to make it easier for you to buy pottery for Kodesh. So they had to just make a, make a line. So their line was Modim. So the Gemara says, Tana. If the guy's leaving and you're entering so that you're only crossing paths in Modian, then it's fine. But but if you're both traveling to Yushalayim, so you don't have to buy in Modian, you can buy closer to Yushalayim, or or you're both leaving, so you could have bought earlier, then it's Kilichutz, then it's no good. So basically, if you could buy any other time, you cannot buy in Modian. You can only buy in Modian if it's the only opportunity. So if you're both traveling, don't buy in Modian, wait a half hour when you go towards your shalim, buy in your shalim. Or if you're both leaving and you could have bought before and you didn't, then it's a penalty. You can't buy in Modian unless it's the only opportunity. That's, that's Chazal's understanding. The Marisa, I'll prove it to you. I have a, the Mishnah implies like this. Why? Because the Mishnah says, The Mishnah says it's only okay if it's Lifnim in Hodian. Lifnim means inside Modian, meaning the implication of the beginning of the Mishnah is that Modian proper is not okay. So the Mishnah starts off by saying it's only okay inside Modian, which implies Modian's no good. But then the end of the Mishnah is outside of Modian is a problem, which implies Modian is okay. So you have basically a contradiction in the Mishnah whether Modian is okay. So how do you reconcile? So what's the answer? The answer is, is Modian acceptable? The answer is it depends. If it's the only opportunity for you to buy, then it's fine. If it's not the only opportunity for you to buy, then it's not fine. So that's how you reconcile that contradiction. Okay. Now, the halach is like this. Uh, by the way, my intention today is to not finish the daf. Finish, no, not finish in the mesef. We'll finish it tomorrow. I'm not going to finish the daf today. I'll finish like halfway through Ahmed Bay's, And tomorrow, we'll, we'll, it'll take about 15 minutes. Um, and and the, the plan as of now is we're going to be sponsoring the Kiddush uh, uh, for the same. 
about uh, so like this. The halacha is that we allowed you to buy small pottery from Amaratsin for Kodesh from Modian inward. Large pottery you were actually allowed to buy in Yerushalayim. Now the question <laughs> the question is like this. But the question is, what's the definition of small pottery? Meaning, large pottery is only allowed in Yerushalayim. Small pottery is from Modian inwards. What's the definition of small pottery that we're lenient? So the Gemara says it's a machloikas. Tana, ne'emanim b'klicheres hadakin l'kodesh. You're allowed to buy small pottery from Modian inwards. Rishlakish says small pottery is defined by something that can be held in one hand. Meaning, it has to be small enough that you could pick it up with one hand. If you need two hands to pick it up, it's it's no good. You cannot buy it from Mudian inwards. You only have to buy it in Yerushalayim. Okay. says, no, even if you could use both hands, as long as you can pick it up, then it's fine. Rishlakish also says like this, let's say you have this guy selling you small pottery, right? So we're lenient from Mudian inward. He says it's Tahar, it's fine. What if it's small pottery filled with flour? Not holy flour, just flour. So generally, all products of Amaratzim are Tameh. So we're being cool with the, with the pottery. Are we okay with the flour also? Says Rish Lakish, no. It's only okay with empty pottery. Because the problem is that if they bring pottery that's filled with flour, so you'll have to contaminate the flour because it belongs to an Amaretz. And then we're not going to have it where the flour is no good, but the pot's good. That's weird. So therefore, it's only okay if it's empty. That's Rish Lakish's take. Rav Yechon says, no. It's okay even if it's filled. Meaning, Rav Yechonon holds that there's such a Messias where someone is, a, you go to a pottery salesman, and normally you're buying empty pottery for Kodesh, and he's like, I don't have anything empty, but I have one that's full of flour. So the flour is going to be tame because it's belonging to Namaretz, and there's no reason to be lenient. But the pottery is going to be okay. So you'll, you'll empty it out and you use the pottery, which is a very strange thing, that the contents are tame, but the pottery is okay. That's what Rav Yechanan says. And the Gemara says, And Rav Yechanan agrees that you can't drink the contents. I mean, the contents is tame, But the, 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 the Kli is okay. Altisma, and don't wonder, how is this possible? You have such a Messias. I Meaning, isn't it strange, according to Rav Yechanan, that the contents are going to be tame, but the vessel is going to be Tahar? I get it. But it's strange. So the answer is, yeah, it's strange. But that's how Chazal works sometimes. We had this a couple dafim ago. We had, according to Beishamai, that Beishamai held that the vessels of an Amaretz are tummy, but not the food. So Beishamai even said that you could have a woman who's kneading dough, that the dough is tahar, but the vessel that is in is tummy. Meaning, sometimes that's how it works. Chazal make it, that the vessel is tahar and the contents are tummy, or vice versa. Sometimes that's how it happens. So in this case, you'll have the contents being tummy. But the vessel being tar, okay, that's the Mitzvahs. Okay, that was Mishnah number one. Mishnah number two. Um, it's like this. Generally, if an Amaretz touches something, it's Tameh, right? The question is, do we believe in Amaretz if he says he didn't touch it? Right, let's say you, you, you let an Amaretz in your house, and he says he didn't touch it. So generally, we would believe him. If he says he didn't touch it, he said he didn't touch it. The Mishnah is dealing with the following two scenarios. Hagaboyim. Hagaboyan were people who were tax collectors um, non, uh, for a non-Jewish king. Not a very Jewish profession, but they were tax collectors. And due to the fact that they worked for the king, they had access to people's houses. They could walk in your house. So the question is, they walk in your house and they take out taxes, whatever. They take out your money or whatever, they're, or they're just inspecting. And they come and they say, we, we didn't touch anything. 
Do we believe them? So it says the Mishnah, If Gaboyan enter your house and they're Amaratsim, or Ganovim or a thief steals a vessel, an earthenware vessel, and he brings it back, and he's like, I didn't touch the inside, right? For earthenware vessels to become Tame, you have to touch the inside. What if a thief steals from you, brings it back, and says, I did not touch the inside? So do you believe them? So the halacha is, Nemonim. They are believed. Nemar loyneganu. They are believed to say they did not touch it. Meaning, so a tax collector who enters your house to inspect, he could say, listen, I inspected your house, I did not touch any vessels. Or a ganaf, this is even bigger chiddush, you have a ganaf who stole cheres and brings it back, and he says, I, I didn't touch the inside, he's believed. Okay, so we're, we're going to go through each one. I mean, the ganaf I kind of get because he's returning it, so he's clearly doing tshuva. Right, the Gemara addresses that. The Gemara says, like, if he's returning the vessel, he's, he's clearly that. doing tshuva. So if he's trying to do tshuva, he has no... He's willing to law. I mean, he's, he's willing to tell the truth. He's, he's returning something stolen. So if he's willing, like, he's clearly trying to make amends. Okay, but we'll have to see. Uh, and as we said, in Yushalayim, you're allowed to buy large vessels for Kodesh. And this is what we said before. Generally, if an Amaretz brings truma to someone, it's Tame. Except, we said during the pressing season... And Shal Shragal. During the Shal Shragal, this is actually very interesting. During, this is what we're going to deal with basically to the end of this daf. During the Shal Shragalim, Chazal waived the Tumah of Amaratzim in order to make it more achdus and more pleasant. The whole point of Shal Shragalim is to have all the Jews go together. We don't want it to be that, the, you know, that like half the Jewish people won't, go, it won't interact with the other half the Jewish people. Chazal waived the Tumah of Amaratzim during the Shal Shragalim. During Shal Shragalim, we waived Okay. Is that like a, a thing that they could just wave it? Well, yeah, because it's not... Listen, if we know that it's Tameh, it's one thing. This was just a Chazal's institution. The Chazal made it. It's not that, like, listen, if you if you see an Amar, it's touch a dead body. Of course, it's a problem. But we're talking about Chazal made this standardized Tumah. They created a Tumah of all Amaratzim. All Amaratzim are Tameh perpetually, so they have the right to wave that Tumah during the Shal Shragal. But the, what, what's interesting is the next Mishnayis are going to deal with what happens after Shal Shragal. Meaning, after Shal Shagalim, they would actually have to dip all the kalim of the Beis Hamikdash into the mikvah, because it was just waved for that week. But it, at the end of the day, they were still touched by Amaratzim. Meaning, at the end of the day, like it was like during that week we're cool with it, but after that week's over, we gotta then fix all the mistakes. Which is an interesting perspective. So the Gemara says like this: Urminu. So right now we're saying that if if a tax collector enters your house to inspect and he says he didn't touch the vessels, we believe him. Here's the problem. The Braisa says, that if tax collectors enter your house, the entire house is Tameh. So wait a minute. So our Mishnah says that it's not Tameh and we believed, we asked the guy, did you touch it? He says, no, then it's fine. But this Braisa said the entire house is Tameh. So which one is it? Do we assume the tax collectors touched everything or not? So the answer is loy kasha. The answer is, is there a guy with him? Meaning, if there's a guy supervisor with him, then see a tax collector goes into a Jewish home. He doesn't want to like. He knows he's not tahar. He doesn't want to like mess the guy up, right? I'm sure there's like a rabbi watching outside, and he say he won't touch everything. I his job is to inspect, and to inspect properly, you have to like go through every drawer. Okay, but if there's a guy with him, his supervisor's with him. He has to, like, thoroughly check, and therefore he'll touch everything. Meaning, if there's a guy with him that he's forced to thoroughly check because his boss is looking over his shoulder, he can't go, like, what they would do is probably they would go to the kitchen, 
and ins- they're probably supposed to inspect everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're looking for. Whatever they're looking for. They'll probably just go to the kitchen and be like, yeah, it's inventory. Take inventory. Probably by the kitchen, they'll be like, it's fine. But if there's a Goyesh supervisor with them, their boss is with them. They can't do that. They have to inspect everything. If they have to inspect everything, then they touch everything, then everything's tummy. So that's what the Gemara says. As the mission says, If there's a guy with him, If there's a guy with him, then the only way it's tar is if they say they didn't enter the house. But if we know they entered the house, then, then we assume they touch everything because the guy with them will force them to, to do a better job. The Gemara just wants to understand what does the guy do? So I said that he's a supervisor. So the Gemara says that's one understanding. Number one, one approach is that when there's a guy there, because he's their boss, they're going to have to do a better job. So that's one approach. The Chad Amer, Amos Malchus Lehen. The second shot is not that, that he's your boss. We're not afraid of, of, of that guy. We're afraid that he'll tell his boss. Meaning he'll tell the king, these guys are not doing a good job. So what's the difference between these two views? You know what the difference is? What if it's a guy, but he's not their boss? What if it's a coworker, whatever? The guy doesn't care. If the concern is that the guy, because he's a supervisor, they'll do a better job, he's not their supervisor. But if the concern is that he'll tell the king, he'll, he might tell the king. So that, that would be the difference. Okay, the next, Mishnah, the next part of the Mishnah was that if a Ganif enters the house and returns a Cheres item, he's never to say that he didn't touch it. So the Gemara wants to know, or Minu, I don't understand, there's a bri- the contradiction. The Brisa says that if a Ganif enters your house, every room that he enters is Tameh. Which makes sense. He's a Ganav. <laughs> Why would he not touch stuff? Ganav and touch stuff. So uh, do we believe a Ganav or not? So you know what the answer is? Amra Pinchashidrava, like Kasha, Kasha Asa Chuva. The answer is we're talking about a Ganav that does Chuva. Meaning, if you catch a thief and you catch and you take the Cheres, then of course everything's tummy. If the Ganav does Chuva and willingly returns items and says, I didn't touch it, then we believe him. That's why even the Mishnah's Lashon is, he's returning, and he's trying to do tshuva. So the answer is, so will a Ganav, will a Ganav, um, is a Ganav uh, going to contaminate the house? The answer is, it depends. If he's caught, yeah. If he willingly does tshuva and returns the items, and he says, I didn't touch anything, then, then we'll believe him. Okay, the next line of the Mishnah was that Yushalayim, they're believed, meaning you're allowed to buy a large cheres from Amaratzim and Yushalayim. Why? This is what I mentioned, because you're not allowed to make kilns. You're not allowed to make kilns in Yishalayim, so you're not allowed to make cheres in Yishalayim. Therefore, you have to buy it from the people that sell it there. So how many salesmen there were? It, it, was, a, it, was, it, was, a, it was a high demand and, and a low quantity. Therefore, we're going to be lenient that you could buy it from anyone as long as they say that it's tar. And the last part of the Mishnah was that on Yom Tif, even Amaratzim are believed to say that their truma is tahar. Meaning, on Yom Tif, everyone is considered trustworthy, even Amaratzim. The Gemara says, Minan Emili, how do you know this? The Pasuk says, The Pasuk says that all the Jewish people gathered together on Yom Tif, A Chaver obviously means friends, but also Chaver was the title for someone that was trusted. On Yom Tif, everyone's Chaver. Everybody's trusted on Yom Tif. Okay. So here's the huh? Not by chametz, but 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 for tumah tahara, everybody is trusted on yamtiv. Okay, now here's the shaila. Okay, I'm a 
let's say let's say I'm I'm someone who's careful on Tomatara. I have uh, so I open up a big barrel of wine on Yom Tif, and I invite all my friends. And some of the friends are Amaratsim and they're drinking wine. But we said that's fine because we said on Yom Tif everybody is accepted. The question is Yom Tif's over. Do I have to throw it out? Meaning, is it that it's a heter dafka during Yom Tif, but the second Yom Tif's over, we go back to reality, and it's like, hey, Amaratsim touched this, so get rid of it. Or not, or perhaps you could, you could continue drinking it. Meaning, it's a machlekes tanoim. The Mishnah says, Let's say you opened up a barrel of wine on Yom Tif, or you had a large dough, and, and Amaratsim were touching it. So on Yom Tif, it's fine, but now Yom Tif's over. Uh, Rav Yehuda says you could continue drinking it. The Chum disagree. Meaning Rav Yehuda says you could continue drinking it. Why? Because the whole heter, the heter only works if we allow you to drink it afterwards. I, I, I'll be honest with you. If I, if I have a barrel of wine that's worth thousands of dollars, and it's Yom Tif, and sorry for this example, you're an Amaretz, and you're like, hey, Avi, can, can you open it up? I'm like, listen, like, if I know that I could only drink it on Yom Tif, and the second Yom Tif is over, i got to spill it out, I'm not going to open a barrel of wine. It's not worth it for me. And therefore, and, and, and you're, and you're going to lose out on the whole simcha and achdus that we're looking for. So therefore, says Rav Yehuda, it's fine, you could finish it. The Chum say no, the Chum say no. It was a heter for that Yom Tif. The second Yom Tif's over, back to reality. And that's, by the way, we're going to see, even Rav Yehuda agrees that after Yom Tif we have to go back to reality. As we're going to see in the next Mishnah, according to Rav Yehuda also, after Yom Tif they would take all the kalim of the Beis Hamikdash and dip it in the mikveh, because it became tame. It's just during Yom Tif it was waived. Rav Yehuda's point is that for barrels of wine and for food, we're going to be lenient because, again, we don't want people to not open barrels. We, we, we want everyone to have achdus. We want everyone to feel, to have, like, you know, ravchus and all that stuff. So Rav Yehuda feels you could continue after Yom Tif, you could continue drinking it. It was open beheta, you could continue drinking beheta. Chum say no. So the Gemara says like this. These are Bonamus in Rav Yitzchak's house. Pasachad v'omer. Ma'ashiyu nechanel regal Here's the Shiloh. According to Rabbi Yehuda, you're allowed to finish drinking the barrel of wine after Yom Tov. That's Rabbi Yehuda Shita. Chum say no. You have to stop, throw it out. Here's the question. Would the Chacham, only in the Chachamim Shita, would the Chachamim feel comfortable instead of, they said you have to spill it out. What if instead of spilling it out, I just save it for next Yom Tov? Can I do that? I'll put it in the back of my, my and I'll put a sign. Meaning, this is the Yom Tov barrel. What would the Chacham say? Rabbi Yehuda would definitely be okay with it because Rabbi Yehuda says you can continue drinking it. Review the holds, you don't have to wait for it, whatever. Review this for sure, okay with it. The question is, what would the Rabbonon say about it? Would the Rabbonon feel comfortable with that, or do you have to spill it out? So the Gemara says, So one opinion said, it's Tameh. Meaning people touched it, that were Tameh. So how could you save it for Yom Tov? I mean, the second Yom is over, right? It turns back into a pumpkin, right? It, it's Throw it out, that's it, it's Tameh. How could you save it for next Yom Tov? Huh? No, but but now it was touched by someone the Chazal deemed tame. So, the, oh. so, so so the Gemara says the other one responded. The other one said, so then how were you able to drink it during Yom Tif? So what did you say? It's like you just said, which is that it was waived. So it's waived. Then save it for next Yom Tif. The Gemara says the Gemara responds. But wait a minute, no, no, no. On Yom Tif we waive that tuma. Yom Tif's over. That Tuma now comes back. So now it's retroactively Tame. So basically, like, can you can you wait? I mean, according to Rabbi you can continue drinking. According to Rabbonin, can you wait? Can you save it for next Yom Tif? So he says, Amr 
Uh, okay, Kitanoi. I think it's a Machlegis Tanoi and what the Chachamim would say. Okay, we're trying to figure out what the Chachamim would say about saving it for next Yom Tov. So says, I think it's a Machlegis Tanoi. The Tani Chadah, because one Brisa says, Yani Chenel Regalach, one Brisa says that the a, 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 half a barrel of wine that you have left over, save it for next Yom Tov. The Tani, one says, don't. So you see, it's a Machlegis Tanoi. Oh, Right? We're trying to figure out what the Chum would say. Can you save the half a barrel for next Yomtif? So one Bryce says yes, one Bryce says no. So it's a Machlekes Tanoi. The Gemara says, my love, Tanoi. So it must be a Machlekes Tanoi. So the Gemara says, no. Loi. Hadiktani anichenu rav Yehudihi. Hadonolei yichenu rabbonon. The answer is no. We're trying to figure out what the rabbonon would say. I, so, so we said, you have two Bryce's. One Bryce says, save it for next Yomtif. One Bryce says, don't save it for next Yomtif. So you see, it's a Machlekes Tanoi in the Sheet of the Gemara says, no. Perhaps these two brises are not going in the sheet of the Chacham. Perhaps these two brises are just the Machlaikis of Yehud and the Rabbanon. Meaning, the brise that says save it for next Yomtiv, we thought that was the Rabbanon. In the Rabbanon Shita, you could save it for next Yomtiv. Perhaps that brise that says save it for next Yomtiv is Rabbi Yehuda. And the one who says don't save it is the Rabbanon. I still don't know what the Rabbanon would say. We're trying to figure out, would the Rabbanon who are strict, would they be comfortable with you saving it for next Yomtev? So you have a price that says save for next Yomtev. So you see, it's allowed. And it says, maybe that price was authored by Rabbi Yehuda, who says you can continue drinking it. So we don't know what the Rabbanon would say. So then the Gemara says, with Tizbra, har Yehuda yigmar ka'amar. So you're telling me this price that says you could save for next Yomtev is Rabbi Yehuda? Rabbi Yehuda holds you could finish it. Finish it today. Why do you have to save for next Yomtev? So the Gemara says, that's what we mean. What Rav Yehuda meant when he says wait for next Yomtev, he means you could save it for next Yomtev if you want to, but you could drink it now also. So basically, we, we don't know what the Rabbanon would say. We're trying to figure out, would the Rabbanon feel comfortable saving for next Yomtev? The answer is we don't know. Because even though there's a Brisa that says yes, that Brisa is really authored by Rav Yehuda. We don't know what the Rabbanon would say about it. Okay. Last Mishnah. We'll, we'll do a little bit of the next Ahmed. And we'll stop. The last Mishnah is... Oh, actually, two more Mishnahs, sorry. Mishavar Aregel, Mavir Naltaris Azar. Meaning, the Mishnah says that after Yom Tif, what they would have to do is they would have to all, go to all the Kalim that were touched by Amaratzim and dip all of them in the mikvah. Because at the end of the day, while we wave that Tumah for one week, it's over. <laughs> Back to reality, and therefore they were touched by Amaratzim. But says the Mishnah, Avar Regel Yom Shishi, but if Yom Tif is over on Thursday, meaning, so the first day to dip everything in the mikveh is Friday, they would actually not dip it until Sunday. Meaning, the Isru Chag, they would dip everything in the mikveh. But if Isru Chag is Friday, it's too hard. The Kahanim have to get ready for Shabbos. It was probably a very big operation to take every vessel in the Beis HaMikdash and dip it in the mikveh. It's a, it's a big operation. Therefore, if Isru Chag is Friday, just wait till Sunday. It's too hard because we don't want them to ruin Shabbos. And... Ravida says, even if Isu Chag is Thursday, they wouldn't do it. Why? Because Friday you have getting ready for Shabbos. And Thursday, they would have to, they would spend the whole day getting rid of the Trumas Hadashim. Right? Think about, you have a Yom Tif. Do you know how much ashes were piled on top of the Mizbeach that had to be taken outside of Yushalayim? So you're talking about a tremendous amount of ash. And it took them all day. So they don't have time. So they did that on Thursday. And the Friday they get ready for Shabbos. So they would... They would push off the Mitar the Kalim until Sunday. The Gemara speaks it out. They had to take out all the extra ashes. Okay. Last Mishnah of the Masechta. The Mishnah deals like this. What would they do after Yom Tiv? So, 
They would dip all the vessels in the Mikdash that Kehanim would touch, that, that Amaratzim would touch. But here's the problem. There's one vessel that they really don't want to dip in the mikveh, and that's the shulchan. Why? Because the Pasuk says regarding the shulchan, tamid. The shulchan has to be there always. If you take it out to dip in the mikveh, then it's not there for that time. So the Rabbanan Chazal did not want the shulchan to become tamid. But here's the problem. No. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is that there were kaihanim who were amaratzim who were going taking the bread. So they had to say, they were very careful, they would tell the Kahan, be careful, go to the next page. Do not touch the Shulchan. We do not want the Shulchan to become Tamit. So they were very careful that week that no Amaratzim would actually touch the Shulchan. Well, no, because the, the Amaratzim, oh, because they said that they're Tahar, right? How would they get into No, because they're Kahanim. Oh, oh, Yeah, the Kahanim. Amaratzim Kahanim. So they make sure don't touch the shulchan. Um, all kelimish they were backups. Um, yeah, there were backups, but we don't want. But again, even if they're backups, you don't want to. We don't want to replace the shulchan because then there's a moment where. Um, it could be a way to do it if you have it fully loaded and ready to go. Yeah, but it's still something that they would prefer to avoid. Yeah. That means that if the first one became tummy, they would have backups. All the vessels required tahara if they were touched by Amaratzim, except Mizbeach Azav or Mizbeach Anachayshus, the Mizbeach. Because, Shein Kekarka, the Mizbeach um, was made of dirt. Or it was filled with dirt. I mean, maybe not the Mizbeach Azav, but the Mizbeach was filled with dirt, and therefore it had the status of of the ground. Shakasu Kar Mizbeach Adama, Veshulchan, yeah. Rashi even says, even if it's not filled with dirt, in the outer Mizbech it's filled with dirt, but the inner Mizbech, it was called Adama. It's because it's called Adama, it has the status of the ground, just like the ground cannot become Tameh, so too these, they're not Makabal Tuma. But the Chum disagree, they say, no, Abnesha Mitzuvim, they actually say it's plated with gold, so why can't it become Tameh? Okay. We'll just start this, and then we'll, 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 we'll stop in a few minutes. The only, the only item that they said do not touch is the Shulchan. Why? Tana. His Harishalai Tigabah Shulchan, now, I, I said why, because it has to be Tamid. So the Brisa adds one more keli that they told them, do not touch, and that's the Menorah. Because the Menorah, while it doesn't say Tamid by the Menorah, then the Menorah, right, the Shulchan says Tamid, which means it has to be consistently in the same spot, so we don't want to move it. Menorah, it doesn't say Tamid, but the Menorah is compared to the Shulchan. So the Brisa understands, just like the Shulchan cannot be moved, so to the Menorah cannot be moved. And because it cannot be moved, we don't want it to become Tamid, because bringing it to the Mikvah would be complicated. The Gemara says... The Tanah Didan says, how come our Mishnah omits Menorah? Our Mishnah is not bothered by the Menorah being Tameh. My time, a light tiny Menorah. Shulchan Ksiv Be Tameh, Menorah like Ksiv Be Tameh. Because our Mishnah says that it says Tameh by the Shulchan. It doesn't say Tameh by the Menorah. So the Menorah could be moved. It's not a big deal. The Idach, why does that Brisa equate the Menorah with the Shulchan that both cannot be moved if it doesn't say Tameh by the Menorah? The Pasuk says that the Menorah is facing the Shulchan, so you see the Pasuk equates Menorah and Shulchan, so just like the Shulchan has to be in the same spot and cannot be moved, so you don't want to dip into the Mikvah, so to the Menorah as well. So what does our Mishnah do with that Pasuk? Our Mishnah says that the Pasuk says that the Menorah has to be facing the Shulchan, not to say that they're the same in Allah, just telling you where it's facing. Meaning that they were opposite each other in the, in the Eichel. It's not telling you, it's just telling you placement. It's not telling you anything else. Now, 
The Gemara just has one kasha, and we'll end with this. The kasha is like this. The kasha is, our Mishnah says that they told them, do not touch the Shulchan, because if you touch the Shulchan, we're going to have to dip it in the mikvah. Meaning, the Shulchan is susceptible to Tumah. Why not? Right? Why not? It's, it's a vessel. Right? Why not? So the Gemara wants to know like this, why is it susceptible to Tumah? The rule is, when it comes to Tumah, that for wooden utensils to become susceptible to Tumah, they have to be movable. They have to be meant to be moved. If you have a wooden utensil that you never moved, you never moved, you, you put it in the spot, you say, I'm not moving it, it's not meant to be moved, it's either too heavy, or you do not move this, this, this wooden utensil, it's not susceptible to Tumah. Because the Pasuk describes a wooden utensil that it has to be like a sock, like a, like a, do me the sock be in masak metaltem alavarekim, afkol metaltem alavarekim. It has to be like a sock, which is um, um, uh, 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 sackcloth, that, which, which, is, which is something that's movable. Wooden has to be movable. If it's not, if it's not moved at all, it's not susceptible to Tumah. They never move the Shulchan. So you should be able to touch it all you want. Right? Right? They so never move the shulchan. Like I'm sorry? A bed? Well, it depends on whether you move the bed. I'm saying that's the point. It depends. If it's a, a wooden utensil that's not meant to be moved, it's a halachal Moshe Messinai, it's not susceptible to tumma. So if you never move the shulchan, which they never did, so if they never move the shulchan, right, because right, there's a halacha tumma that you can't take it outside of the hegel. But even within the hegel, they never moved it. You have to be precise. Move versus remove. In fact, the next piece that would come that they actually lifted it up, that's moved. Correct. Well, that's the Gemara's answer. No, no. In terms, even the way Oz was move versus move. No, meaning, you can't remove. Exactly. Let me explain. There's a halacha tamid, which means you cannot remove the shulchan from the hechel. So you can't take it out of that room in order to dip in the mikvah. Within that room, it's not an item that's susceptible to Tumah. So why are you telling me it's susceptible to Tumah and therefore be careful not to be? It never got moved at all, even an inch. So you know the Gemara's answer is? Yes, it was. It was moved within that room. When would they move it? So the Gemara says, Damar ishlokish, Ma'idich siv ala shulchan atahar, Mechlal shu tamay, V'amai kliyetzal anachasu ve'in mekabal Tumah, Melamed she mekvien oisa yinu ma'arim ba'iloy le'regolim. The answer is that when the Jews would be Eilerega, they would open the curtains. We had this before. They would open the curtains and they would move the table to the entrance, not take it out, but move it to the entrance and lift it up and show the showbread that was on the Shulchan. Because the showbread, we know there was a miracle that took place that although it was a week old, it was still fresh to show that even that Hashem loves the Jewish people, that everything is perceived by Hashem is even fresh and still has chamimus. And it was a miracle that Hashem did. So they would show, they would lift up the Shulchan and show and say, Look how precious you are to Hashem. That a miracle took place of Lechem upon him, that although when it was taken out, it was like it was placed on. So therefore, because it was hot, meaning they would want to show people, because they would show people, they would move it within the room. So because it was moved within the room, it's considered susceptible to Tumah. But you can't take it out of the room, so therefore you don't want to become Tumah. All right, we'll stop here. Bez Hashem, tomorrow we will finish uh, the Masechna. God willing. Recording stopped.